Hey there, DC Comics News fans. Fans of comics. Fans of, well, talking about comics. You've come to the right place. This is the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I love that great intro music. Always makes me feel like I'm leaping off into something brave and adventurous. And sometimes trying to pick out just five books from all the great books that are available really is brave and adventurous. With that, we're going to do what we always do from week to week, episode to episode. I pick my top five books from DC Comics, talk about them, let you know my thoughts, and from there, we have a great conversation. Of course, it only works in a real conversation when you get back to me. For all the ways to do that, please stay tuned to the end. Starting things off, though, my first choice, Shazam, number 15. Knowing the series is coming to an end and that we've had the chance to go through some really great arcs most recently, wrapping wrapping up with the uh, Monsters, Superboy Prime. But there's an amazing feeling that comes from Jeff Loveness in this issue titled Fries. The, The writing is thoughtful, expressive. It really introduces some growth for Billy and Shazam. And I like the potential that it reveals behind this series, and one I hope that continues, even though we know that the series itself won't be continuing. Now, Loveness is joined in this project with Brandon Peterson providing the art and cover, which really great covers, by the way, just really nice covers. Um, I mean, the first one is just so poignant with him just sort of crouched on the top of a perch of a building. Instead of having that dark, mysterious Batman-like, it's more of a contemplative expression. The thinker, his chin on his knuckles, just sort of wondering what it is that he's supposed to do next. And there's a great opening with a robot and Shazam in Japan saying, So, is this a good robot or a bad robot? Because I just saw Iron Giant and I don't want to kill anybody's best friend. Now, along the way, he keeps recognizing ways that he is learning about the things that he can do. The things he still needs to learn about himself. The powers that he has. And how one of his biggest challenges, actually, is managing to be a kid. Be responsible as a student. Um, as a member of his family, which he's had a chance to deal with more recently. But as a student, it's a lot harder knowing he has these powers and he can just do whatever he wants. But a visit from a substitute teacher challenges Billy to do more and be more. And her words really sort of ring through the rest of this book, especially when he has not only an opportunity to put what he believes are his best moments in action, but then to step into unfamiliar territory, reach out a thoughtful, kind hand, and in the process become more than just the guy in the cape, the superhero who punches things out or smashes something. What he does is tries to use what he's learned to build someone up. And man, Anderson's art, the facial expressions, uh, it's really quite lovely, especially when 
when matched with that sort of aw shucks, you know, really honest, wholesome appearance that, well, Shazam has always had, Captain Marvel. And with that, you also have this equal measure of not only the people he's trying to help, their expressions, but the, the tones and the shadows and the colors and the lights. It's, it's really a lovely sort of journey from one day through a night and into the next. And with it, not only through the colors and the story, but also through the great little elements that make them all feel so much more enhanced or vibrant. You get this great introduction to a next phase in Billy's development, Shazam's growth, and like I said, a really great window into the potential directions this story, this character can take. I'm looking forward to the chance when Shazam will pick back up and find itself a new title and launch perhaps in similar directions. Maybe Mr. Loveness can be a part of that as well. But for me, this was a really fun book that I really enjoyed and I'm happy to share with you to make my first choice a 5 out of 5 here on episode number 74 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. And the great thing about getting book number 1, which means it's really the perfect time to move into my second choice, Books of Magic, number 23. I really enjoyed this fun ending to a book that has had some really lovely moments in the journey of Tim Hunter, one that now features his friends not only in the past and the present, but in a courtroom while Tim's on trial. We get a somewhat garish version of John Constantine missing an eye and carrying a skull with some ominous portents about how the future is supposed to play out. There's also visitors from the future, and through them, we are shown a possible window into where the dark side of Tim Hunter can actually bring the world and all of the people who inhabit this corner of it. But what I really get a kick out of is that those are all the things that are easy to point to. Those are all the simple progressions of storytelling. Those are all the ways that you can push the narrative and force it to go in one direction or another. But what I like about this is that it addresses that idea through Tim Hunter and his challenging of whether or not people know what they're talking about when they keep telling him who he's going to be, how he's going to turn out, and what his responsibilities are based on their predilections or predictions. But when it comes to the decisions that Tim has to make, what's really great here is the way that he is able to forge his own destiny, no longer find himself responsible for actions that he can actually undo and bring a resolution to, but not look at his future, let alone his present, as something that is ominously determining the fate of the world. He still has the choice, including it's suggested that he can find another object to be his, well, 
magic wand, for lack of a better term. Because right now he's been carrying around a screwdriver. And it's pointed out that, except for how he looks, and even then will only last so long, how odd is it for a boy to be walking around the streets with a screwdriver like that? It, it raises a great point for the future. Maybe there can be a process where Tim has to choose a new object to which channel his power. But what I love about this story was the suggestion that he can create this new destiny. He can take more control than he has. And that while there are dangers involved with the decisions and choices he can make and will make, and the powers he has at his disposal, that doesn't mean that he's subject to them. In fact, it means that he can more greatly influence the best usage. Maybe he'll make mistakes. Maybe there's other problems that are unseen. But knowing that he has that option, he has that possibility, and to an extent, that sort of power over what he wants to try and do, well... It's like the idea that control is an illusion. When it comes to how much you can actually influence, sometimes it feels like not very much. But the parts that you can, when you do, it allows you to put your best efforts forward. And I like that idea for Tim. I love this great story. Dwelling in Possibility Finale. Written by David Barnett, with layouts by Tom Fowler, finishes by Craig Taylor. Colors by Marissa Louise, letters by Todd Klein, and a great cover by Kai Carpenter. This was a really fun story for me. I look forward to a next version, a next chapter, a next series talking about Tim Hunter, what he's learned so far, where he can go next. And I think this ending actually sets up the great possibility of so many new beginnings. Really great way to wrap up Books of Magic, a really fun black label story. I enjoyed a great deal. Happy to make it my second choice here on episode number 74. Now, if you're familiar with the format, second choice means we take an ad break and then I come back for my third, fourth, and fifth. So with that, I'm going to take a moment to step back, allow you to catch up on all the great things going on here at DC Comics News, all the wonders the wild, and, well, you'll see. After that, we'll get back to third, fourth, and fifth choices. Thanks so much. See you soon. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No.
Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. And thanks so much for your patience. Really appreciate you hanging out, checking out those great ads. Let us know if you have questions about anything you heard. Stay tuned for the end for all the ways you can. Let us know what you're thinking. In the meantime, this is DC Comics News, Spinner Rack, episode number 74. We just finished that ad break, which means it's time for our third choice. And this time around, I'm looking at Batgirl number 49. Why Batgirl number 49? Well, for starters, the amazing writing of Cecil Castellucci is really an amazing reason to start. Robbie Rodriguez offers up some gorgeous, lush, but also very specific art pencils with Jordi Belair and those really vibrant colors, and will design with the letters with an original cover by Giuseppe Comuncoli, Cam Smith, and Jean-Francois Bellou, and a really fun variant cover by Mirka Andolfo. In the story Gordon's Never Give Up Part 2, someone has been hunting Batgirls. They've been taking women with red hair, dressing them up in a Batgirl uniform or costume, and they've been leaving them as murdered victims for the police to find. Now, this strikes a series of chords, affecting all the members of the Gordon family differently, from Barbara's father, to her brother, to Barbara herself. 
And what we end up with is a, a story that walks us through not only her thinking and the reaction of people in Gotham when the first body is found and they believe that Batgirl is dead and the decision by the police not to reveal the discovery of more women dressed as Batgirl because of the possibility that this is a serial killer and how as Barbara begins to look into it, she can see so many of those details that are associated with sociopaths and serial killers. For example, the way that the costume is designed and stitched together for the first victim is less detailed compared to later victims and how she notices why those details are specific, what they mean for not only the killer's confidence, but also the pattern that they're creating. And how this has become something that is an infatuation, an obsession of her brother James. James is conflicted and really struggling with the fact that his father, who due to the events in Batman, Superman, and other storylines, or other issues that featured the storyline where Gordon had become twisted by the Batman who laughs and is no longer in a position to help out, Barbara and her brother are at odds about what's really happening and why it is that he has such a terrible insight into the understandings of the mind of someone who would do this. There's quite a shocking development in the final pages and an ending I simply can't spoil for you, but I will say that it is powerful, it is poignant, and it sets up our final issue of Batgirl. Because of that, it leads us to many options that can be considered in that final issue. Right now, citizens of Gotham think she's dead. She could leave everything behind. She could set off somewhere else and return at some later date. Or she can find another way forward, one that I think might lead to even more interesting stories. But the direction that we'll take in that final issue is something we can all look forward to. I'm hoping it's one I get to share with you here on the Spinner Rack. In the meantime, issue number 49 was a really great experience for me. It really brought home how much Barbara has been through, what the challenges have been like, and how that all impacts what she's facing currently, not only for herself, but her family, and how that can be really important to the next direction her story takes. Background number 49, my third choice, a great five out of five book. And perfect way to lead right into my fourth choice. Now for that fourth choice, and also for my fifth, we'll have a theme going, and I'll see if you can pick up on it. No, I'm not even going to be cagey about it. It's really quite simple. This, uh, these next two stories feature the amazing talents of Joshua Williamson. And for my fourth choice, The Flash number 62 is the finale to his run on this really great series. Joshua Williamson's story is joined with the penning and scripting efforts of Howard Porter, 
with Great Colors by Hi-Fi, Letters by Steve Wands, Howard Porter and Hi-Fi providing the original cover with Inyuk Lee providing the variant cover. And I've really just been sucked in by how wonderful The Flash has been in all of these story arcs. This most recent one has been a joy. I think almost any time that you have the chance to bring Eobard Thawne into the story of The Flash, you have a chance to pull on so many different threads and push on so many different pressure points. And the one that Eobard is really pushing at now is the idea that he's been moving through The Flash's timeline, whispering doubts, fears, horrible ideas and suggestions at super speed, constantly trying to undermine all of Barry's efforts to be his best version of himself. And in that process, it's potential and its suggestion that Eobard has actually been the voice behind all of Barry's worst decisions, whether it's running away from friends and family, fighting with others, or being really quiet, selfish, or stubborn, refusing to ask for help or collaborate in the fear that he'll get them hurt and instead trying to shoulder all the burdens by himself. Now, Eobart suggests that there's only one way for this horrible cycle for them to actually come to a close. One of death and rebirth that is constant and unyielding. One that they are both trapped in unless Barry agrees to stay in a time loop outside of time with Eobard and they get together they continue racing forever. What I love is that Barry has a better idea and his idea is very intelligent, uses all of his knowledge as a speedster and in the process it shows us how things should look, can look, will look through this decision. The great thing about it too is it doesn't pull apart the fabric of time the same way that something like Flashpoint does, but it does suggest that there are ways to reset things, ones I hope that can be considered in other storylines. And man, there is such a great feeling now that we've had the reappearance of so many wonderful characters. Uh, Max Mercury, to Jay Garrick, to, uh, well, to Wally's twins, to Wally's life with Linda, and of course the ominous sense that there are villains. I could suggest who, I know who, but I, I think it's better for you to read and discover that they are waiting in the wings on the horizon, ready to provide more manic mayhem and, well, so many other dark things for the Flash to overcome. There's a great final page on this story, and I love this note from Joshua Williamson himself saying, Thank you to all the readers and everyone who worked on this Flash run with me. Thank you for the greatest race of my life. Really great ending, really great finish to his run on the Flash. It's one of the things that got me just so, so 
wonderfully wrapped up in his journey and a lot of credit to him in fact it's one of the reasons why i'm excited to then move in out of that fourth five out of five choice and move directly into my fifth choice so as i said no mystery behind this theme it's really straightforward it's that joshua williamson is writing my fifth and final choice for this episode of the DC Comics new Spinner Rack. It's Dark Knights, Death Metal, Speed Metal. Now, I know if you've heard it throughout this episode, but I've been in my squeaky chair, and I'm going to lean back here for this one. What a fun fifth and final choice. What a great story. Joshua Williamson providing the writing, teaming up with Eddie Barrows on the pencils, Eber Ferreira on the inks, Adriano Lucas on the colors, Steve Wands on the letters, with a great original cover by Barros Ferreira and Lucas and a Peach Momoko variant cover for this one. Man, they're, they're both just phenomenal. Uh, there's, there's something classic about the speedsters lunging forward on the original cover. And then there's something very present about the Batman who laughs, Wally and Barry. Wally in his blue uniform, Barry in his black one. All on that great Momoko variant cover, we get the chance to sort of catch up in this issue, get an idea of everything that's been happening to Wally and Barry, and the fight they've been in with the Batman Who Laughs. It also crosses into events from uh, recent death metal titles, and lets us know what exactly has been happening in the moment, which is that... Jay and Barry and Wally are all in a race for their lives. They're trying to outrun a great horror from the Batman who laughs, a menace and a monster. Now, we get the chance to see Wally pull out some fun tricks that, for Flash fans, are reminders of all the legacy that speedsters have built up over time. And then we also get to see the continued conflict between Barry and Wally, and how it is that they can come to not only a resolution, but a solution for the four of them now, with Wally, Jay, Wally, and Barry making a run for it. The choice to, instead of running away from the problem, choose another tactic, and in the process, be something greater through their combined efforts, reveal to each other their deepest fears and also what they can do about them, how they can rise above them, and what it means for Barry, Wally, Wally, and <laughs> and Jay when that understanding is shared and what they can do when Wally reaches up, stretches out, and finds that in his efforts, while he's been pushed to make the final charge on his own, he's not actually alone. He's surrounded by the wonder and joy of his family, and he's renewed by that. And through that, we see this, I feel like, a reconciliation between Wally and Barry, and a reunion for all of them, one that is hearty and heartfelt, and feels like it's going to be 
at least to me, like this great electric charge that can provide a jolt into the next stages of the death metal storyline. Man, I, I got to tell you that there were so many other great books that I wanted to include on this episode, and it's been a challenge lately as DC's production has been charging forward. So many books to choose from, so little time, and only five to pick. But I'm also really proud of the books that I've had a chance to share with you today for this week, for episode number 74. I, I, I have to really point out how much I've enjoyed the great work by Joshua Williamson, how I've loved what he has shown us he is capable of doing, and I look forward to seeing other characters who'll write his Flash story, this amazing death metal, speed metal story, and hopefully more to come. Along with that, the ending and the near endings of other titles really is an opportunity to look at some of the great things DC has done and look forward to all the great things that are on the horizon for us and for episodes of The Spinner Rack. And with that, episode number 74 comes to a close. It's been my pleasure to hang out with you to talk about these great books. But now, as is always, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Just want to let you know, did you, if you did, have any questions did you if you did have any questions you can go ahead and reach out to the entire dc comics news team all you ever have to do is find us on your favorite social media platform all the big ones like youtube facebook instagram tumblr twitter and more with the at symbol and dc comics news it's at capital d capital c capital c o m i c s capital n e w s when you do, you'll let everybody here know what you're thinking, how you're feeling, and if there's questions, we can try and answer. Now, how do you make sure that you're always catching the newest, the best, the freshest episodes? Well, whatever platform you're on right now, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google Play, or another platform, and there's so many more popping up each and every day, whichever one you're listening on, make sure you're subscribed to DC Comics News. When you do, you'll get all the freshest, newest episodes in your playlist, in your feed, for programs like DC Comics News Spinner Rack, with me, your host. You can also get some great stuff like DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. Catches you on up on all the news from movies, television, streaming, comics, and so much more. There's also episode-by-episode episode breakdowns of great shows like Batman the Animated Series, hosted by Steve J. Ray, or Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast that takes an in-depth and somewhat incredulous look at the Harley Quinn original show from DC Universe. It's a chance to hear those same familiar voices from the weekly podcast let down their hair, take off their nice presence, and a little raunchy it's a lot of fun but it's only for 18 and up so please if you're not old enough to watch the show don't tune into that podcast until you are old enough to enjoy it once again this has been the spinner rack episode number 74 i've been your host seth singleton make sure you subscribe to dc comics news so you can catch all that great content i was just telling you about and of course upcoming episodes of the spinner rack and as we always like to say here read more comics. 
Until next time.